Okay, I just got done eating an amazing Rice Krispie treat from Avery Andrew with Avery's Appetite. I encourage you right now, if you've never heard of her, go to averysappetite.com right now, look at her recipes, and then listen to this podcast episode right now because you're going to learn all about her story, where she started, how she got into culinary school, all the details. She's sweet, fun, hardworking, just amazing. I hope you enjoy. Hello, I am sitting with Avery Andrew and she is so fun and bubbly and we already got to chatting and honestly for like 15 minutes and I was like, man, maybe I should actually start the record button. (laughs) We're already on it. We are. It's so (laughs) fun. But Avery, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like whatever it is that you want to share. Let's start with that. Um, My name's Avery Andrew, obviously. Um, I run and own the food blog Avery's Appetite. I also was a chef for many years, and then I work in corporate event planning. So I do all of the the fun food things, as I like to call them. Um, but yeah, Avery's Appetite is my my passion and my what I thought was going to be a passion project and that nobody was going to read except for my mom. And now it's grown into something worth sitting here and talking about right now. (laughs) That's so, that's incredible. We're going to get into all the details in a minute, but before I get into that stuff, let's have a little fun Q and a, um, random question. Are you a mountain or a beach person? Ooh, I don't. Okay. So this is going to sound weird, but when I lived in the South, the beaches there were so flat there was like nothing. I mean, it was just so flat, just like beautiful, like white sandy beaches, but flat, flat, flat. So I'd say I'm a beach person, but only California beaches because we have the mountains. Okay. So you like, a li- so, I like okay. to hike at the beach. I like to do that kind of, which I didn't realize, I guess is dumb of me because geography, but I didn't realize that it was going to be like that until I went to the beaches in Alabama and Florida and stuff like that. And it was so flat. And so it made me appreciate the mountains more in California, but I definitely like beachy mountains better. I've actually never visited the South. So I've no- I actually, I, it's wild. Okay. I, it's on my <laughs> list. I, it's definitely on my list. So next question, do you have a favorite go-to song? Like a hype song. You know, I don't know if I have like a favorite go-to song, but you know, at the end of the year when Spotify shows you all your, I was in the top listeners for Alabama Shakes. So I think maybe anything Alabama Shakes is my go-to. So country. Yeah, kind of. So fun is it like upbeat yeah they're like kind of like folky upbeat they're just like feel good music it's just easy to put on when you're like cooking or driving in your car I think that's why I listen to it so much because you know you just mindlessly need something in the background they're perfect absolutely (laughs) I love it and last question before we get into all the good stuff the other good stuff is what is a consistent compliment that you've received throughout your life gosh Okay, I don't know about throughout my life, but I would definitely say in the past like five years, I've gotten the compliment that I'm hardworking. And I think it means a lot to me in the last five years because I didn't get it my whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. My cooking, obviously. Oh, clearly. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know about. I don't know what people would, that's hard. I don't know what I people know. would say for hard. my whole life, you know? Yeah. Well, hard work, yeah, just for now, but current consistency, hard work. So hardworking, you have to have been hardworking if you got to the place that you're at now. I, yeah, I think. You've got some grit. You've got some. Yeah, I didn't always. I think mm-hmm. it's a learned skill. Yeah. I think it, I don't know. I, not that I was ever not hardworking, Um, but I think I made like a lot of excuses, you know, I kind of had that kind of personality when I was younger, like very go with the flow, like everything will work out. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I don't know, I, and something switched at one point in my life and I was like, all right, it's not going to happen unless you make it happen sort of thing. So, and then after that point, I consistently, like I 
just celebrated my birthday and I had gotten a bunch of texts or even like my dad writing on the card, like, we're so happy of how hardworking you are now. And I was like, oh my God, I never, you know what I mean? Yeah. You feel proud of that compliment. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Happy birthday. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. So you were born and raised in Bakersfield? Yeah. So born and raised in Bakersfield. I'm a Garces girl. Okay. So go Rams. Um, I grew up with a family of farmers and sheep herders and all the good stuff. Big Basque family on one side, Irish Swiss on the other. So, you know, all the Bakersfield things. Yeah. But yeah, born and raised in Bakersfield and then um, went down to the bayou to Louisiana for school. Ended up falling in love with food down there. And so I did culinary school down there also. So when you went away to college initially, what was your major? What were your plans then? So initially I went for communications, okay. which is so, I mean, I think it was an easy choice at the time. Like I'm definitely not passionate about it in any way, shape or form. Um, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so it kind of seemed like the easy, like cop out choice because the school had a really good program for it. Um, but yeah, I, I originally went to school for communications and I think it was, a good thing that I did that, but it wasn't going to, I think deep down, I knew it wasn't something I was going to do for the rest of my life. And when I lived down there, um, the food just captivated me. I had always grown up in households with like strong women cooking and um, a huge presence in the kitchen. My family always cooked and I loved food and I had traveled and eaten and things like that. But something about Louisiana, I mean, the Cajun and Creole influence down there, there's nothing like the food. It's it's perfect. It's wonderful. It's so good. And I just fell in love with it. And I knew immediately. I was like, that's what I want to do. So then, I mean, I don't even... So you're eating it and you just started getting ideas on how to make food. And then you... Like, how does that... Because when I <laughs> eat it, I'm just happy. I don't think about... Oh, how could I make this? Who can make it for me? <laughs> like, I just... I don't... I have art. Like, I yeah. like cooking. But I don't at the same time. So when you did, like, when did you decide you were going to switch from communications to culinary? It was, I will definitely say it wasn't an easy switch. And it wasn't something that it was like, I ate it and I was like, the next day I'm doing this. Um, I had always loved art, like my whole life. Um, I had been a painter. I was in all the art clubs. I was, that was my thing. But I didn't know what to do with that when I was young. And I think, and I went to such a small school and I think you go, you go from like having to raise your hand to go to the bathroom in class to like all of a sudden having to pick where you're going to go to college and you're out of school with 40,000 kids and you've got to pick a major and you don't know what to do. And you're, you know, all those things. And when I was in high school um, at the time, which I think is super different now, Um, or I think we're kind of entering this like phase of the world where it's different. But at the time it was really a big deal to go to a four year university. Like that was the the thing Mm -hmm. that, that was the societal norm, especially within like, um, my group of friends and stuff like that, that to be successful, you needed to go to a four year university. And I can remember my dad, um, when I started getting accepted to colleges, kind of recognizing it and being like, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with like going to a trade school or going to a junior college for two years. I think he could tell I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, And I totally fought him on it. And I was like, no, this is the, this is what is successful. This is what I have to, I got into these schools, I have to go. And so I made every single wrong decision (laughs) and went against my gut and my parents' gut in every way, shape and form and went to LSU, which I adore, go Tigers. Um, and again, at the school with 40,000 people and you're just going cause that's this like societal norm. And I fell into every other societal norm. I was like, I have to do the sorority. I have to, you know, I have to do this. I have to do that. And I ended up being like the worst FOMO monster. Like I just had to do everything all the time. Um, and it wasn't serving me at all. Mm-hmm. And I always say that was like God's season of failure for me. Cause it was like, this is not working out. And I knew it wasn't working out, but I was like clinging to it for two years. Um, and then finally, I remember um, they, they had displayed these cakes that the senior um, like graduating class for the culinary program had done. And it was like kind of a sister school. So it 
wasn't connected and anything. And so it was odd that they would display this stuff. I didn't see it all the time. And I looked at these huge wedding cakes that the pastry program had on the display. And I was like, I could do better than that. And I was like, I love art and stuff. I could do better than that. I didn't know that that was like a career field that someone could do. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about trade school or being a chef or anything when I was making the choice to first go to school. And I didn't research it. I didn't listen to anybody. And so I had this like little tick in the back of my head, like I could do that. And then uh, throughout my sophomore year, I was constantly cooking for people and like taking care of everybody else. I think that's a very like nurturing womanly, like when you're not doing well, you're like, I'm just going to take care of everyone else. So Focus, everyone else yeah, feels good. Focus on yeah. not your problems. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and my way of doing that was cooking. Like yeah. that was how I show, I, I just still do that. I show my love for people by like, like bringing stuff. Like I have to bring food to everything. It's just my personality. And, um, I was like, I am less anxious when I do this. Hmm. Um, and I, and I think I'm really good at it. And I just think in that moment in time, I was like, I just need to do something I'm good at. Like I'll feel better about myself and my choices and my life and everything. If I do something I know I'm good at and that I enjoy. And I told my parents and my dad was like, <laughs> cute. <laughs> that you have gone to two years of an out-of-state university and now you're like, change my mind. Like, you're no, you can't, you know, do that. And so it was, it was definitely something that we had a lot of conversations about. Mm -hmm. We went back and forth about, um, I left school for a semester. I came home. Um, I, I had to really break that, like wanting to stay in that societal norm, like wanting to stay with my friends, wanting to stay in the sorority, like wanting to stay, like an active part of that life to do something else. So it wasn't like this overnight decision. It was like constantly every day, like, do you want to do this? And then just taking the plunge eventually to just do it and commit to it. Well, I think that it's just, it's really neat that you kind of reflect on those times because I think a lot, a lot of us in our lives, we, we find ourselves in situations where we're just going through the motions yeah. and you're in your, you're, you're at a um, private school here in town. All your friends are doing one thing and, and there is this pressure to perform this pressure to, to fit into this box of what success looks like. And you, especially in that environment of private schools, it's just a different vibe. It's a whole, yeah. it's a whole different ball game. And when you, you go away and I just, it's, it's funny because we always look at it as like our big mistakes, but had you not gone there, you wouldn't have fallen in love with Louisiana food. Oh no. And it's just like, whether, yes, of course there are some trials or, you know, whatever in the mix of that. Cause you're, you're a kid, you're finding yeah. yourself, you're just out of high school. But I just, I always think it's just so intriguing when when we find ourselves on one path and it doesn't make sense, but some people never pivot. Some people stay there and live their entire lives unhappy because of that pressure to, to just perform. And I, and I, I love that your dad challenged you a bit on that because I think, Oh, many of us, but I think you and I can kind of relate where we're a little flighty and yeah. we're like <laughs> oh flighty for sure and yeah. just like I like this let's try this I'll you know kind of be all over the place and I like when there are people in our lives that kind of ground us and and force us to really think about okay well why are you doing this what what is the purpose behind it and so kind of picking back up so you were in Louisiana for two years. Your dad challenged you to move home before you made the decision to um, go to culinary school. You were home for a few months. And then where did you end up going to culinary school? So I did end up back in Louisiana. Um, so I was really fortunate, like I said, that the school had like a sister school program. Um, and then in the Louisiana Culinary Institute, where I ended up graduating from, was the premier program in the South. So you could not get a better school. Actually, um, Louisiana Culinary Institute and Johnson and Wales is the only two schools allowed to like cater the master's golf tournament or big events in New York. Like there was a very well-known school. Um, and at that point, my sister had, um, had moved to Louisiana also and was going to LSU. So it just kind of made sense. Um, but I did, I looked at schools in San Francisco. I looked at schools in Pasadena and LA and, um, I, I'm so happy I ended up back there 
but it was definitely, you get caught in two comfort zones because it's like I had given up a little bit of time there and I was like, can I handle it or will I fall back into all the stuff that made me like, should I do this decision? You know, just that, should I go to that party? Should I be in that sorority? Should I do these things? Um, Or should I stay in California where it's easier to avoid those things, but I'm not going to like the school as much, or it's going to cost me more, or they won't take all my credits or something like that. Um, and so I did end up making the choice to go back. And I'm so happy I did because I, I don't think I could have just done two years in Louisiana. I, I would have stayed there longer if I could have, but it's just the way jobs and everything worked out. You know, Bakersfield people always come back to Bakersfield. <laughs> I know, you get sucked into the vortex. <laughs> yes, it, you get, and it's such a good place to I come know. back to. I, I love agree. it, but I, I didn't appreciate it enough at the time, I think. But yeah, no, I adore Bakersfield now. I'm so lucky I ended up back well, here. It's home to me. I I always tell Justin, I want to see the world, but this is home. I I can't. I, take me everywhere, but this is where, I don't know, there's just something about Bakersfield. But so can you tell me a little bit about culinary school? Because I am clueless when it comes to what type of classes, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what does the day to day look like? Homework, all that stuff. So it's crazy to say the least. It's definitely different. And it is not for the faint of heart. Like it is, you work just horrible hours. You go to school, horrible hours. Like I think my regular schedule was I went to school 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then I worked from like four in the morning to like noon. I'd get to go home, shower, eat lunch, change my clothes. And then I was back in school till 8 p.m. And then I'd come home, do homework, go to school. I mean, it's you, you have to get credits. So you have to work. Um, So part of working in kitchens and getting the necessary Okay. Skills of restaurant life is part of your schooling. So, so that was the 4 a.m. prepping. So that was the 4 a.m. Okay, I was like, wait a minute, where's oh, yeah. that coming from? Okay. No, and I, so I worked for the school for a while, super early and stuff. And then um, I worked for the largest country club in Louisiana was in that area. And there, I mean, country clubs are a whole nother breed down there. Like it's <laughs> putting on like debutante balls and it's huge. I mean, yeah, I had to go through two gates to get to work. It was oh wild. Oh my gosh, how I had intriguing. Never, yeah. I had never in Bakersfield. I had never seen anything. Like no, that, you know? yeah. But it was um, That's so cool. So I would work super early there, and then, like I said, shower, change, go to school. Um, I think people have this illusion that like culinary school is all in a kitchen, or that being a chef is all in a kitchen, which is just so false. I think I even had that illusion that I was just going to be cooking all day every day, and I was going to love every minute of it. Um, it it's a lot of it's similar to like if you've ever taken a college like science class where you have a lecture and then you have a lab. Okay. And so we had a lot of lecture courses and we had to get, you know, our serve safe, our food handlers, licensing. Um, I have, I'm nationally, I have a license for food cost accounting. So different. Yeah. There's all sorts my of face different. right now. If you could see my face, guys, I just made the hideous face because I had no idea. Yeah. My mind's blown right now. Oh, purchasing and accounting for food. I mean, and it's a whole nother ball game because when you're making big purchase items for perishables and you have to be able to calculate exactly how much of something is on a plate for your to know how much you've lost or I think one of the most wild things people don't comprehend is like yield percents like I was never good at math and science not my strong points and I had to get good at it really quick Um, and that's one thing I don't think schools teach enough of is like applied science because I thought I wasn't good at math or business or anything like that but when somebody put it in the form of like okay you are buying peaches for something you need and you're buying them in the whole form that they come in but you're probably going to need to skin them there's a pit that you have to take out so for the amount that you're buying how much actual peach are you actually getting for a recipe and how much of that can we put on a plate and sell and when I put math into those terms and you could see it physically it made more sense to me or same with sciences like I know exactly what temperature my water needs to be based on my room temperature. If I'm using fresh yeast or yeah, active yeast or whatever to make bread, I know how long it needs to sit, what it's going to do if my room is humid, what it's going to do if my room's too dry. And it was all this chemistry that I, again, I thought I was bad at, but when you apply it in those terms, I think students, especially in high school, would benefit so much 
from seeing things applied. I'm like the biggest promoter here of applied sciences and trade schools or whatever, but it, it really did change my life, but it was a lot of work, lots of textbook, lots of math, lots of science. Um, and then of course you did get the fun part of like being in the kitchen and you got to, I mean, you're, you had to be in a super strict uniform every day and you had to have like for each level you're in, you have to have a certain necktie and you have, everything has to be pressed and you have to line up. And it's, I mean, it's like military almost. You line up and they check every single part of your uniform that you're not missing anything. They will send you home out of the kitchen. They will, you know. Did you ever have to get sent home? I never got to get sent home. Um, I, but it's not the things I wonder. Yeah, it's not. It's weird, though. It's, I was constantly scared of getting some. It's yeah. not like it's not like Gordon Ramsay, like They're Hell's yelling. Kitchen. Yeah, just, that's all like whatever. It's uniform and very like they are very strict. strict. Yeah. And I, I remember I had entered a competition and um, like half my team didn't show up. And I was like, I'm a green neck or I'm a blue neck or whatever, like a freshman. I was like, I'm not going to win, like whatever. Um, and. I just remember my chef took me into our big, like we had big walk-in coolers and checked every single bit of the uniform up and down. And then he looked at me and was like, did you get dressed and get here? Come here today. And I was like, yeah. And then he just started, just, they, they just go in, man. Like they would just hit like every insecurity. Cause you've been on your feet all day. You're cooking. It's hot. So like anything they say to you, you're like, it feels 10 times crazier. And I just remember he said, excuses sound best to whoever's making them. And he was like, I don't do excuses in my kitchen. Hmm. And it was, if he said that, you were like, all right, I'm shutting my mouth or else I'm getting kicked out of here. And yeah. so you definitely, like, it wasn't. You have to get tough skin. Yeah, and, it yeah. was definitely regimented. And I needed that because I wasn't, I'm very, like, I'm flighty. I'm very, like, you know, and it taught me life skills that I wouldn't have gotten, I think. I mean, my first class at LSU was like 300 kids and you had to use a clicker to, like, show you were there. I wasn't going to. I'm not the type of person that was going to thrive in that environment, but like someone behind me, like, Hey, you got your uniform. You got, are you clean? Are you proper? Are you, you know, have you done your area? Is your chocolate the right temper? And they're like hovering over you and you're, it makes you get on your game really quick. I had, it's funny that you're saying all these things because you know, it's chemistry, but you don't know it's chemistry. And like you're mentioning the applied sciences. And I always, I've shared this story because when I first, um, I have a friend, um, her name's Kat. She loves cooking and baking and she, she went to culinary for a while. I actually don't know if she finished, but anyways, when I first got married, I didn't have, um, we weren't married yet living together and, and Justin had moved into our apartment before. And at my bridal shower, I got like a couple, like a couple of baking things. And I was like, I'm going to make us cookies. Well, I didn't have a lot of tools. So I threw everything in one little thing. And then I put them on the bake, made them into my little balls to make cookies. They came out as a blob, one giant runny blob of cookie. And I called my friend Kat and she was, she thought it was hysterical. And she said, Liz, you have to mix your butter and your sugar and then the egg. And mm -hmm. I was like, it's all going to end up in the same place anyway. And I, and she had to tell me it's the consistency and the way that, and so that was my lesson in. It's crazy, right? <laughs> like you don't was. think about it. And I just, I remember I was always the type of person looking for a shortcut. Like I was always, I was just that way, like excuses, shortcuts, like wasn't my fault, kind of got like whatever. And it changed me. I'm like, it made me the smallest detail, like not taking the temperature of something or not creaming your fats with your sugars or whatever. It, it will change the entire thing. And you can't, I think it was this eye opening thing for me where like, you can't run away from it. Like you pull it out of the oven in school and it's wrong. Like they're looking at it and it's re like, it's really applied. Like it's right in front of you. Yeah. And they're like, did you listen? Like, did you do these? Did you take the right steps? Did you skip something? Like, did you? And you're just like, gosh, I've been doing that a lot in my life and it never mattered. And then all of a sudden when it mattered, you start, I think you start noticing it in other things. And then you're like, I, something about being in a kitchen I'm discipline, just, huh? Yeah. It creates Even discipline. after working in a kitchen all yeah. day, you go home and there's like, there's certain things that I'm like, it has to be this way. Mm -hmm. And I cannot, Caleb says I'm mean in a kitchen. 
I feel like I'm just very direct because <laughs> I'm used to working where, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have a ticket time, it's high pressure. You got to get the food out into the table in a certain amount of time. I'm used to, you know, we're not nice on the line in a kitchen. It's like, hand me this, throw me that, like whatever. Um, so I don't think I'm mean, but he's like, you're mean in a kitchen. And I'm like, no, I'm just very, like, it has to be this way. And we cannot skip a step. Like we have to do it the right way, the whole way through. I think it drives people crazy, mm-hmm. but. And for people listening, who is Caleb? Caleb is my boyfriend. Okay. He's my boyfriend. And how long have you guys been dating? Um, like four and a half years now. So sweet. That's a while. I know. So sweet. Um, so, okay. My, there's so, I, my brain is going to so many questions. I want to rewind a little bit here because you graduated culinary school. How long ago now? Um, I graduated in 2017. Okay. And when did Avery's Appetite, the blog happen? So the blog started, um, I think right at the end of 2016 or early 2017, I was graduating. Um, I was working at a country club and Caleb and I were about to road trip our way through the U S back to, to bring me back to California. And I wanted to show, I kind of wanted to show off what I had learned. I was like really proud of myself at that point for kind of doing a 180 in my life like that and working so hard and, I don't know. I thought like my mom, and my grandma were going to follow it. I just followed like whoever was already following my private page. And I was like, I'm just going to do a little Instagram and I'll post what I've been cooking in culinary school or at home or what I eat on my road trip. I thought it would be cute. And um, then all of a sudden it was like people asking me for the recipe. And it was a lot of like my Louisiana friends and old sorority sisters and Bakersfield friends. Hey, I want that or I need this recipe. So then it kind of turned into like, all right, I'll just put it in the comments below the picture. And then slowly but surely it just, I think when I was at Sweet Surrender, that's when it really took off. Cause when I first came home, I was at Sweet Surrender. And um, I think I just, something about being home and I was cooking all the time and posting things I was doing and the fact that people knew I worked as a chef for some reason, like gave it this legitimacy that I'd never expected people to like find it or know who I was or search it out. And it just started growing. And then I made my website and kind of took off from there. So you were a chef at the country club? So I was a chef at a country club in Louisiana. Okay. And then you decided to come home. Yes. And, um, and Kim Fiorini at Sweet Surrender offered me a job there to like run the kitchen and stuff. And that was awesome. That was amazing. I mean, just one of the most amazing hardworking experiences I've ever had. Um, I just, I remember getting to work at like one in the morning during the holidays and it was so much fun though. Cause I would post like post that kind of stuff. Like I'm getting to work and stuff like that. And people were like, you're going to work right now. I don't think people realize what goes into like that pie that you order from somewhere. I would have never thought of that. It, and it makes you like, cause you go and it's in the window and it's beautiful and you just pick it up and you'll eat it. And it's like, oh, it took someone a couple minutes to decorate yeah. this. Like, I bet they're good at it. And it's the logistics that go behind wow. things. Like you have to have a night crew because there's only so much kitchen space. So you're, you know, baking from this time to this time. And then this crew comes in to get this case ready. And it's, it's so much fun, but it's so wild. I don't think people realize it. So stuff like that. Like I would post stuff like that. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm about starting my shift at like, four in the morning or whatever yeah and um and then people started asking questions and then people were like where can I find your web your recipes and at that point I was only posting stuff that I was making at home really or like I could only post recipes that were mine at home and I was working in kitchens so I I felt this like obviously loyalty like you don't want to post anything from any companies that you of course you work with or whatever um, and so I worked for Sweet Surrender for a while and then worked at Luigi's for a while and got all my savory food experience there, which they're phenomenal. You couldn't ask for better people to learn from. Their entire staff, their operation, their like family. I mean, they're awesome. Um, but yeah, it was that, that, that kind of like people were asking me so many things and I could only do so much or I could only post so much or I had all these ideas. But when you're a chef somewhere or you're working in a kitchen, your idea goes to whoever you're working for. Like you've got, you've got menus to plan. You've got stuff you got. And then you're working these long hours. So you're swamped and you're exhausted when you get home and people just kept kind of wanting more and more. And then I started getting offers for like brand deals or, you know, different cookbook things. And I finally took the plunge and stopped working in kitchens Mm -hmm. 
to kind of be able to focus on your, your dreams and goals. And yeah, I like that because you, there's so much to learn from different people. And I like that you, you really did. You went from like this, literally the sweet to the savory and to how did you come up with the cute name? I mean, I honestly, I don't even know. I, I, I remember saying like, I wanted to start this. I wanted to start something. Um, and that was like right when people were like food bloggers were kind of being a thing and everybody had these like cute wellness names and like whatever. And I was like, I don't know if I'm necessarily like wellnessy. Like I eat well when I'm at home, but all these like bloggers I felt like were health and wellness Mm. food bloggers. And that was like really the thing. And they all had these catchy names. Like I love Jeanette, Jeanette Ogden from shut the kale up. I think that's like, what a cute name. Like mm -hmm. that's so precious. Um, but I couldn't find anything that fit because I was like, I, I don't, I don't eat one way or another way. You're just or like, a food Yeah, I'm just lover. like, I just like it. And I'm yeah. healthy because I cook at home the majority of the time, but I'm not necessarily like, you know, I'm not gluten-free or I'm not this or that. I eat everything and I just want it to be what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. And Caleb was like, well, yeah, it's your appetite. Like whatever you feel like. And I was like, that's it. Like I just immediately was like, Avery's appetite. yeah, this is just my thing. Like what I'm, and I didn't want to limit myself. Um, one of my good friends and kind of a mentor of mine, he, he's so sweet. Actually, he, his name's Jay Cody. He was like runner up on next food network star one year and stuff like that. But I was kind of helping him out when I was in Louisiana and stuff. And he was helping me out. And I, Remember, I was like, I really, he had a blog called Bite and Booze. And I was like, I really want to like do something like that just for my family or whatever, but I don't really know what to call it. And he was like, whatever you do, don't limit yourself. Hmm. Like, don't put yourself in a box. Don't say that you're just this. Cause I had so many ideas. I was like, I'm going to start a, a thing for my family where it's um, meals that'll feed four people under 25 bucks or whatever. Like I wanted to do all these really in-depth things and help people and with what I was learning. And he was like, just make it about you. Like, don't put yourself in a box because you're going to feel pressured every single week to come up with a particular thing. And the minute that you start working in kitchens, you're going to be overwhelmed. Like he was like, you don't realize it now, but you're going to be exhausted. And he was right. Like a hundred percent. I was exhausted 90% of the time. And so it was like, if I'm posting my in and out cheeseburger this week. That's because I, it's all I could bring myself to do. Yeah. That's such good wisdom because we, we can get to the point where we start making it about everybody else when really it's, it's your appetite and other people just get to be part of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can attest like you post stuff on Instagram. That's where I follow you, but I'm going to actually go read. Do you still have the blog site up? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm really interested in going to see do you have recipes on there? And yeah. what is the website for that? So the website's just averysappetite.com. Okay, perfect. And that actually, um, I think so many people like social media is such a thing right now. And so many people focus on social media, but my website is so much fun. I mean, I rotate a lot of recipes. I always have about six on there at a time of just different things and archived recipes. And, um, I really found that Pinterest is like my happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I share the majority of my recipes. I've also written guides for people on how to grow your Instagram and how to grow your Pinterest. And because I never expected that those would be things that like I would have any knowledge about. Um, But as this escalated, it's like the applied sciences. You don't think you need to know it. And then all of a sudden, this is a part of our like everyday business where like any business that you're in, you need to know how to do these things. And so even my guides for that kind of stuff all live on my website. So my website and, and sharing that stuff on Pinterest and and on Instagram and other things, but mainly my website and Pinterest hold like the depth of information. And then my Pinterest is like, this is a coffee I had this morning. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like, stuff. yeah, that's so great. I, I really encourage people to check it out. Cause there's been a few recipes that I, my friends and I have talked about and you had posted something the other day about your roast. Oh, that roast is so good. I was going to ask how it turned. I know it looked incredible. So good. That's like one of my favorite easy things to do. It's a Mississippi roast and it is, it is Mississippi to its core. Like it is just easy it is comfort food. It is delicious. Um, and yeah, so that one is in my story highlights and I should probably put, actually, I think I, that, that might be on my, um, that might be on my, on my blog and my Pinterest and stuff too. I like forget what I do well, halfway through so the week. There's so many things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, that one is so good because it's one of the, it's a good like parent meal. I always tell people, cause you can just throw it in a crock pot. Anything you can put in a crock pot for like eight hours. That's the best. 
No, well, it just looked incredible. And then you made this really yummy cauliflower mash. I, it's on my list. There's so many things from your site, from everywhere that I need to just make. And I'm so excited. And um, so when we're talking about food, I have to bring up the charcuterie because <laughs> holy moly, you make such a beautiful like how in the world did that come about Thank when did you, you start making that because you started people started buying how just there's so many questions about this charcuterie so I so people ask me for like classes a lot like they want to know how I make them and it, everything's like virtual right now so you know whatever but um it just became one of those I love art like I love putting thing to me I love putting something on a canvas and having it look pretty like even it, like cake decorating and plating when I was in school plating was one of the funnest classes for me um because of the business side that goes into that stuff too like each plate has to have the same exact amount and or needs to the weight needs to be the same you need to use the same amount of sauce you need to do all these things and it's like how do you take all of these practical things that you need to do and make it look really pretty and I love that like anything that you can anything that you can make pretty is my absolute favorite and so charcuterie kind of I've always been a wine and cheese girl I will always be a wine and cheese girl. I've always been a wine and cheese girl. I'm not sure I could ever give up dairy. Um, and it, it was one of those things where, it was, you know, it's kind of my family's tradition when we're on the beach, we'll sit and um, when five o'clock comes around or sunset's coming, we'll have a little glass of wine and we would try different cheeses. And I remember we did a little family like backpacking trip right before I, I was the oldest. So right before I left for college, we went through Europe and like backpack through Europe as a family together, basically. Um, and we would like in Italy, we would walk into these cheese shops and we would just buy like a chunk of cheese and take a little knife and we would like pass it around and try these cheeses and set it to, and we would eat the guanciale, which was like the cheek of the pig. And I just loved it. And I, and I knew that I could do the food cost accounting on it and stuff, but I didn't know like, how to hone in the skill or how do I take this food that I love and this other thing and make it pretty. And then I was at Luigi's and they did, I mean, they do such an awesome job. They are phenomenal with it, but they really showed me the practicality of it and, and how to do it. And then, um, I just, it's the same thing when you're working in a restaurant, things are so practical and everything has to be a certain amount or a certain weight or, you know, whatever. And so I would kind of do what I was supposed to do at work. And then I'd buy a bunch of cheese or whatever we had like the last chunk of when I was working in the deli and things like that, I would take it home and it's like, okay, how can I cut this to make this look pretty? Or how do I want this to look? Or, and it just escalated into this, like every weekend I was sitting around making cheese boards and my family's like, this is cool, but like you're obsessed. And I was like, no, I could be really good at this. Like, which is such a weird thing. Caleb's always like, why do you like being good at cheese <laughs> I just know I am you love it I just yeah and I, it's just pretty like I like pretty things and it makes people happy and it's so happy oh and it's so fun I feel like it's such a conversation starter it really it, is it's like wine or these things where people can they have a preference some people like soft cheeses some people don't like blue cheese some prefer an aged gouda and being able to tell them what region it comes from or whether or not it's foreign or it's domestic or, um, you know, if it pairs best with a spicy sopressata or if you should do more of a mild Columbus salon. It, like, I don't, that conversation to me and being able to talk about food is my favorite thing in the world. So it's one of those things where it allows people to kind of ask me questions. Like, why'd you place this one here? And I'm like, oh, because you should eat it with that. And, oh, I harassed some girl at Trader Joe's recently. She was like, I could tell she didn't know what she was looking for and I was like let me tell you oh my gosh <laughs> come, come talk to me little about did cheese. she know yeah. you're the cheese queen oh I made her I probably made this poor girl buy so much cheese I was like your friends are gonna love this this is a crowd pleaser this is a really easy cheddar and she's like who are you <laughs> what are you doing Avery's appetite let yeah. me tell you <laughs> welcome nice to be right <laughs> that's so awesome I love I literally you took me like on a little journey right now. I imagined you're in your family sitting down, sharing cheese. And I think that that's probably where you just have so much passion because it's close to your heart. Oh, you yeah. know, it's I think that that's what I love about people finding their passion is you lit up right now. It's not it's not just food. I mean, there's some words that you just said that I've never heard of, like the pig cheek. <laughs> what is that word? Guanciale. Guanciale. It's like really thin, delicious bacon. Okay. 
It's Never. so good. Like, where would I have tried that? I mean, I think you can buy it sometimes at Luigi's, but if you ever, so a lot of fancy restaurants will put it in like a carbonara instead of bacon. And if you ever see it on a menu, you just have to try if it. If I see it on, much like if I see ba- bacon makes everything better. <laughs> Any sort of pig cured anything makes it better. It just, yeah, I, that's just so. But that's what's like the diversity. And then like you're talking about different regions and the pairings and it's never ending. No, it's so fun. It's like, well, I don't know. I think it's fun. People are probably like, yeah, sure. Cheese. I don't know. No, like- I mean, I've made, I like to make, I've made a couple just for fun and it's kind of, it takes a long time. Oh yeah. And it's I, expensive. It, People always are like, like, it costs you that much. And I'm like, girl, yeah. Do you know how, this is cured meats and cheeses and it's pricey yeah. i know i i know we like to make some fr- and they're just fun and then i um i don't know i like started to look it up and i'm like why doesn't mine look like that i just i you kind of do have to have a little bit of an artsy eye i find myself still like even like i i love that kind of stuff and i i feel like i've always liked the artsy stuff like that but i still I cannot go on Pinterest or something and scroll without comparing mine to like something you see on there. And I'm like, oh, that was a nice trick with the goat cheese. I got to try that. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, you learn new stuff, learn new tricks and everything. So do you plan on, I mean, this might be a little too personal, but do you plan on maybe writing a cookbook one day? Do you have that in your goals or anything like that? Or I do. I, I really, I would love to. I actually just helped for Dream Builders. Um, with a cookbook they're doing. So the four dream builders are, they got recipes from all different types of people and it's really, really cool. But um, helping them with that and typing up my recipes and watching kids get excited about that. I just think that that's so cool that four dream builders has even introduced something like that or a cookbook or they're making food videos now with the um, edible school garden and stuff like that. I just think that's so neat because that is just not something that was an option to me when I was younger. So to see younger people be on fire about stuff like that, I think that that just helps our, our world so much, but I writing that stuff with them and helping and, and sending in my recipes for someone to put in a book. I was like, I need to get on this like this neat people have always asked me um, and I've always just treated my blog as like this free cookbook like I have rotating recipes and if something somebody's interested in something I made on Instagram I'm always sending them you know whatever recipe or writing it on my blog Um, but it is something that someday I would like to do and monetize from obviously but I don't think I really realized it until I was helping with that project that I was like, I should do this. I think you should. I mean, honestly, I there's just something special about having an actual cookbook in your hand and you're flipping through the pages and you have your sticky notes on it. And like, I love, I mean, digital world is incredible. I mean, you go there, you find it in seconds. And, but to have, especially with your artistic eye, to be able to design your own f- cover and each page, because I feel like you would every single detail would be like you would pick just the cutest of things because your page and your other they're beautiful pictures I mean I'm I love that I mean I think people forget about that part of it too like the staging and the flat lay and the picture of the recipe before you can even plate it or eat it I drive my family and my boyfriend crazy with like that kind of stuff but no I mean that is so fun and that Again, I think it would be fun to do or it was like fun helping with that project because like, as, a, as a young person, I did not know that that was some, I didn't know that that was a career path. Yeah. I mean, you see people doing, you know, you see like Paula Dean and Rachel Ray, but you're like, how did somebody get to that point? Yeah. Or I didn't know um, the type of work that you, that, you know, that you can make a really good living in a kitchen or that you can, if you you're more of a home chef and that's just a skill you have and you like to do it at home, you can monetize off that. You can have a blog, you can write a cookbook. And I think if I had known those things when I was younger, I would have made certain decisions sooner. Like I would have. And so I, I always tell myself, I'm like, I have to do it for the like, you know, person to expose them sitting in Bakersfield that doesn't know they can do those. You know what I mean? It's just, and I do feel like an actual book is just, this sounds weird, but it is just so Bakersfield. Like being able to have something in your, I just feel like we're a city that really appreciates 
our own people and the the local culture. Oh, yeah. I sign me up to buy all the books. And, or just it. like yeah. the, to be able to like the nostalgia of it to like have something. Yeah. A it, local. Yeah. Avery's Appert- I, I'm serious. I just think that that would be an incredible. I mean, I know it's a lot of work I could imagine, but I would so buy that cookbook. Like I just, I think it's so exciting, but I mean, you had kind of mentioned also, so when you're doing your Instagram, it, it has to be a lot of work because it's hours of, of creating the food. And then like, it's not just snapping a picture. I mean, I've tried to take cute pictures of my food and I'm like, this looks like ugly. And I don't, I don't understand it. Do you have lighting? Is it the camera? Is everything? Oh yeah. It's one of those things too. Like people don't realize. I had a friend recently was like, yeah, I should just do that. Like I should just be a blogger. And I was like, oh, that's cute that you think it's so easy, you know? And it's, it is, it's something that is accessible to everybody. And I believe that there's like enough cool things everyone's good at that anybody can make a living like online or on social media everybody has a god-given talent that they can monetize on and do these things but nothing comes easy like this isn't and it's it's that idea I think the internet like you said you can type something in and find it in two minutes gives you this idea that it it also only took someone two minutes to put it together which is just not the case I the someone gosh, where was it? I think I was on like reels or TikTok or something. That's a whole other creating video content is wild. I'm sure podcast content is the same way, but someone was like, Oh, people charge too much for their work or their services and stuff on social media. And we're in a bubble and people aren't going to be able to charge for it later. And I'm like, they're like, you need to take free stuff and do whatever you can when people give you free product. And I'm like, no, first of all, know your worth and add tax because I work full time. Absolutely. And then I, you know, I do stuff like this. I do, I cook, I'm going out of my way to put this stuff on Instagram or make it look good or spending my weekend typing up that blog post and making sure that it has the right SEO format or, and sharing it to all of my tailwind and Pinterest and stuff, just hoping it'll get in the eyes of somebody that wants it and finding the right hashtags and the right geotags and the right lighting and paying for things like Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop and everything you need, your equipment, your lights, your camera, like my Canon was not cheap. And then on top of that, someone sends you a free product and wants you to just post it where they'll have the audacity to ask for like a full recipe sometimes. And I'm like, that is my time that I would have to get in my car and use my gas money to go and buy the other ingredients for this dish that you would need, spend an hour or so cooking it, another hour photographing it, and then who knows how long editing, picking, typing up the recipe. So I always tell people, I'm like, if you're working really hard on something and you know that you deserve a certain amount, don't settle for less. I Everyone can do that. it. I love that you said that, know your worth and add tax, because it's something in the creative world where, I mean, it's hard to to think about that, but you're so right. There is so much that goes into what you're doing. The And it's not even just that, the knowledge and the schooling and everything that you've done has led up to this point, all the hours of research and and every word. It takes a long time to write a blog post. I mean, I, I tried a blog years ago and it was fun, but... I was, I fell into the trap you were talking about earlier of, I have to find a niche and I have to put my, and I, I felt suffocated by being in a box because I felt like, well, now I don't know how to come up with the same, it was too, I I did that. I did the exact same thing your friend was talking about, put myself in a box and and I lived and I learned, but in the creative world, I just, I love that so much. Know your worth, add the tax because you know, only you know what your time is worth and you don't have to say yes to everything that comes no. along. And nor sh- and I'm honored that honestly you said yes. I I love I love being here. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm so intrigued right now by your story and how and I know people are going to be in awe at all of the little details that you shared tonight because next time I go into a restaurant, I'm going to think about that. Who plated this food? Who was behind the kitchen? Who was prepping at four in the morning? Like it's going to allow me to appreciate food in a, in a completely different way. I think it makes me nicer to people. 
I like can I, see that. I just, and it, when you have to be up so early or like, I don't know. And I think even that, I, I think even knowing your worth and adding tax, like that's something that I struggled with for a long time. Um, I think a lot of women do. I think women, especially, especially in a creative field. Yes. I remember when I was first going into this field, people telling me like, it's going to be really hard to make money. And looking, looking at it now, it is, it's not easy. And it's not like I work full time. I like, I do what I need to do, but it's one of those things where you work so hard for it. And I think women are not as financially literate um, or don't know everything that goes into like you have knowledge that somebody else is coming to you and asking you to do something and give or wanting to give you a product because they want you to do something with it with knowledge you have but I think sometimes as a woman we're like wanting to take care of everybody yes and wanting to like like that I like I said when even when I was at my lowest I'm like making sure everybody else is okay like does everybody yeah. have what they want to eat today you know it's like and I think that's such a natural role that people fall into that they forget that you're, you're worthy of something. Like you have something tangible knowledge that other people want. And how do people get what they want from each other? There's an exchange of goods. And that is usually financial, yes. you know, mm -hmm. compensation for yeah. these things. And I had a really hard time, like when I first started working in kitchens or doing things, especially being a 22 year old girl, um, I fell into that trap of like, it was kind of a man's world a little bit. I can see that. Or like I'm this small white 22 year old girl coming in, like wanting to know the ins and outs and wanting to like make the schedules and do the menu planning. And like, I want, I want to be in the heat of it. And it wasn't like received well by everybody. And I had to, I had to know my worth. Like you have to stick up, you have to have thick skin. And so I think it made it a little bit easier for me leaving that world to start asking for what I knew I deserved. But I talked to so many women in creative fields that maybe don't work in a field where they had as much of a, where they had to grow as much of a backbone. Um, I was actually just talking um, to my hair lady about this. And she was like, I have a hard time charging certain people, certain things because they're like, Oh, it's just hair. Like they have this illusion that I just became a hairstylist because I couldn't do anything else. And that like, I paid for trade school. I'm good at what I do. I've been doing it for a long time. They're coming to me because they need something from me. And here I am like, oh, I'm just a hairdresser. And it's, I felt that a lot at the beginning. Like, oh, I didn't go to regular school like everybody else. So people aren't going to take me seriously. And then it was like, when people started following the blog or asking me questions or then companies are reaching out to you and all of a sudden you have to hold your own. Like my latest brand deal was with Michelob Ultra. It's like these big companies, you've got to hold your own and know what you're know That's what you're amazing. doing and not yeah. be afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know why I just find that so much with women, anybody in a creative field, but especially women creatives, they have a hard time asking for what they're worth, which is like the, to me, it's the bare minimum you should do. Like God gave you a, a, a talent that you should be able to support yourself with. Like do him the respect of respecting yourself. You know what I mean? I love that confidence. And I think that what's so um, impressive about what you just said is that you, you have to learn as you, you go, you know, it, it's that you, but you have to take steps, right? A lot of people think that it just happened overnight for you. You've been doing this for years. This is, I mean, I don't know if people think that, but I can imagine as, cause you've just said some things like, oh, well, it's just this or just that. It's not, it's not just a blog. It's not just doing hair. It's not just doing makeup. It's, you're right. Like those hours and that skill set. not everybody can make things beautiful like you do. Not everything, not everybody knows how to cook or even pick the right cheeses as we found out in Trader yeah. Joe's. I mean, every, like you found something so unique and a skill set. And I think that all this hard work, it's been years in the making and it's, it's building traction. I mean, and, and I, would you say that it's kind of like a snowball recently? Like, yeah, I, I, I would say it was a snow. I don't know. A snowball. Yes. It's definitely building traction. It's definitely something that I'm like, okay, this is serious now because it, it was, like serious. I said, I just, I started it thinking my mom would see it. Yeah. And then, I mean, doing that most recent brand deal with Michelob Ultra, I can remember the day that their like marketing company reached out to me and I was like, 
okay, this is like a big deal. Yeah. Like I, I just remember I was like, should, should I talk to a lawyer about this? Like I've just been like winging it in emails with my brand deals and there's no one else helping me. Like I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, and, and then I, you slowly start to take the steps to make something a business and you're like, oh, it's like watching a baby grow up. You're like, oh, this is a real thing. But at the same time, I think social media is such a weird thing with that. Yes. Because it, it, it's like, I call it the pendulum. Like it swings. Um, for example, right now, my engagement is down unless I use reels. But I'm getting f- a ton of followers every day. Um, it, like I'm gaining a lot of followers lately, but they're not engaging as much. And then I have to step back and look at it and my metrics and go, okay, well, there was just a huge election and an inauguration. So is this cauliflower mash what people are really worried about? No, but I've got a couple people that are. So I still got, I still have to wake up every day and go and do it and post that post about stuff and talk I hate talking on my Instagram stories it feels like you're talking into the abyss like no (laughs) one is responding you know like and people message back I'm like oh thank god like I'm not crazy you know I know girls who are really good at that and can just like talk to it and I'm just not I don't know I'm not that it baffles me that I was in broadcast communications for a while because I don't think I (laughs) I'm like I can't be on that camera don't do that but it's like I sit there I have to sit there and talk to it and do it and explain it to people not knowing if anyone's going to reach out or listen or if anyone's going to watch it that day and I think I had to take a lot of like self-worth and validation off of the likes or the comments or the whatever because it's a business and I'm making more money than I ever have even when my engagement is low And then sometimes my engagement is high, but I haven't secured a very big brand deal that day or not as many people are, um, you know, using affiliate links on my website or something. So it's it's like a snowball. But at the same time, it's it's back and forth. You could be growing and not feel that snowball tumbling downhill. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're taking steps back, even though your snowball's getting bigger. And I've talked to a couple of my other friends that are in the Instagram world, even in Bakersfield, and everyone feels that, you know, and wanting Once you gain a certain audience, you're like, well, I got to impress people. I got to get this amount of likes. I got to do this. I got to do that. And you really don't to make money. I mean, you can make money with a thousand followers. So because it's it's ever changing. And I think like when we again, like what we talked about earlier, we we get so focused on what we think the people want instead of following our passions. We we kind of morph into somebody that we're not. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's Avery's appetite. And yeah. I, I always, you know, I just, I want you to, I'm really proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm, You're so sweet. I am. I'm so proud of you. I just think that it's, I love finding strong in like business owners, but especially you're a woman, especially you're younger, you're working hard and you're, you're learning as you go. And, and it can be intimidating. Like you're talking about in the creative world and like people that are listening, it's even like little things like asking you if you'd consider being on, you know, the podcast. And it's like, well, maybe she's probably busy. These are the things she's probably busy that maybe. And then I just thought my dad always told me, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And it's just like, okay, my, I, it's an exchange here. Well, my exchange is I'm, I'm going to tell your story. You know, I'm going to share it with people. I know a lot of people that are going to one day, buy your cookbook you know it's like it is that exchange and while right now it's like you just have to get creative and figure it out and step out on a limb and figure it out as we go and and like I don't know I just admire you so much Avery thank you and it's like it is that it's like that kind of like you can't be scared to ask like you have this is awesome. First of all, we're sitting in like the cutest room ever doing, I've never talked into a microphone like this, even other podcasts I've been on. Like you're so professional. It's, it's one of those things where it's, you do have something that you're offering people because this is, I mean, especially even locally, the people that listen to this, like this is an important marketing step for me, or, uh, you know, it's, it's those things that you have to remember that if you're even putting yourself out there to ask another person something, it's because you're working on a goal that you want. And that person might say no nine times out of 10. Do you know how many times when I was first starting out, I emailed brands like wanting to work with them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love, I don't know, Primal Kitchen, ketchup, I don't know. And I would email them over and over again and I would not get a response. And it's that, 
it's those little things that's like, but I'm taking steps to email them. So eventually this is going to come back in good favor for me. Like I'm sitting up at five in the morning in my bed before I go to work because my internal alarm clock is messed up from kitchens. <laughs> but I'm sitting there like, who can I email today? Like, who can I reach out to? Like, I want to do this. I'm, I can do this. Other people are coming to me and asking me to do this. So it, but it is that after you get knocked down a couple times, you're like, mm, should I keep should I keep trying? And then you get that one yes or that big deal or the, you know, I get people asking me now out places like, hey, did you get paid when he posted that thing? And I'll, I will tell people straight. Yeah, I did. That's a very because personal question. I will, And you know what it is? It's very that's a number one question I get asked about my blog. When you posted this, were you paid to post that? And oh my God, I would never like we're oh, talking right now. We're like literally it, we're talking right now. That didn't even occur to mm -hmm. me to, to ever even ask that. It, it, I get asked. Oh my God. I would say probably wow. twice a week by people, especially when I start doing bigger deals like recent, like I, I just did my last um, post for Michelob for this like first phase or whatever a week ago or so. And that was like the number one thing is people will ask me, did you get paid for that? And it's like, I will tell people straight up, yes, I did. One, because I always want people to know that I put my true opinion on my page. And so if you want to know if something is paid, you can look, I will write ad, I will write mm -hmm. because I want people to know I'm authentic and that, and I also, I've posted before um, and I should do it more just to show people and girls, especially like brands reach out to me all the time that I do not say yes to yeah. um, because like I had a Swiss um, microphone or, um, something reach out to me. I'm like, I'm not going to be your, I'm not going to do you any good. I'm not going to do me any good. My followers don't want to see that. Like, that's not what I'm here about. Um, I've had the craziest companies reach out to me. Um, and I just, I, I've responded and said no, and I've posted those things. And so when I do something and I do get paid for it, one, I wouldn't put it on there if I didn't believe in the product or if I didn't try it and like it enough to at least think like I'd be okay if one of my followers bought this like they'd like it whatever yeah. but also I'll tell people yeah because they should they should know that that's something I can make a living off of like I'm proud of like like I said I was very worried about societal norms and I remember when I first said I wanted to go to culinary school a lot of friends I had dropped me or a guy I was dating at the time was like, Oh, that's not going to be good for my like social circle, you know, all my sorority, whatever fraternity stuff. And I made that decision to go outside the box and I'm monetizing on it and big brands that I'm sure those people that didn't want to hang out with me anymore and stuff, drink or eat every day are asking to work with me. And I've worked really hard for something and I go work full time all day and then go to my house and try to set up a photo shoot with a ketchup brand or a beer brand or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I get paid for that. Mm -hmm. And you could too, if you worked that hard, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm always like to me. And that's, I don't know. I just, it, it shocks me when people ask me, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm always going to be honest about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got paid. And so could you. I if, think people are just more interested than I real, like interested in the Instagram world than I, than I realize because I mean, Instagram, I, it's fun for, it's just like my family and friends. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think about it as like a business. Like I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. But then when we, when you, it is your business, people almost feel like you owe them an explanation. Does that sound? Yeah. People want you to be an open book. And I think, and that's, I'm better at it in some instances. Like I said, I will tell people I got paid or I will sit on a podcast like this and I will I will say, this is what you need to do for your SEO and you need to research these hashtags. And if you're not spending at least an hour a day on your Instagram, figuring out what other people like you are doing and what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong, then you're not gonna make it. And, I, and I'll sit there and tell people the ins and outs of the business. Um, but I am one of those people that I'm not good at talking on my stories. Like I was, I was just talking to Lindsay book about this. Like she's so good on her stories and she can like connect with people and be like super open and bubbly and fun. And I, like I said, I feel like I'm talking into the abyss. I don't feel like I'm connecting with people. And that's the number one thing that really will grow bloggers or people on Instagram is those stories because people are nosy. They want to <laughs> know what you're doing. Yeah. Like they want to see you. They want to see that peek into your everyday life. And for me, this is like a really cool thing that I do. And I'm happy to share certain pieces of my life. And then there's certain things where I'm like, 
this doesn't need to go on my Instagram story. It's not me. Like that's not my personality. So yeah, yeah, but, but I'm better at sharing some things than other things. And I think that goes for every person, but people are nosy and they, and they do feel like they're They're owed a response. Yeah. Yeah. And some people connect with their followers in the way of like giving everything on their story or in their posts or stuff like that. And I think because mine has always been a food page. Yeah. It's always been about my food. It's never been about anything else that I don't give as much away. And then I think that prompts people to ask me more like face to face when they're with me. Like, hey, by the way, did this happen or did you get this or what was this thing from the other day? And I'm like, I'm shocked sometimes, but I also I do like it that people feel comfortable with me like that. But it is shocking sometimes. I'm like, you expect me to be a wide open book. Yeah. No, I... I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. And I I learned a lot and I look forward to trying some of your recipes and and sharing it with my friends and family. And um, if you ever need anything, please feel free to reach out. You are so sweet. I'm so happy I did this. Thank you so much. I'm so happy too. And guys, um, she brought me some Rice Krispie treats. So I'm going to go eat those right now and (laughs) talk soon. (laughs) 